Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with humility and love, thanking you for all of your good gifts, for calling us to yourself. And as we explore the topic sometimes disturbing of the presence of gratuitous evil and suffering in the world, please show us your truth, help us to understand you and the way that you work in the world better. We pray for those who do not know you, that they will come to know your whole truth and that that truth will set them free. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the question is, why do bad things happen? And you may have heard it phrased, why do bad things happen to good people? I've left out the to good people because according to uh, Orthodox Christian teaching, the teachings of, of Jesus Christ and the apostles, there is none righteous. Um, so none of us are, are good, so to speak. We all have the capability of good if we follow the teachings of Jesus and the movement of the Spirit in our lives, then we can um, commit good actions um, and be a good influence in the world. But none of us are objectively good. So why do bad things happen is the question, and not just everyday bad things like fender benders and twisting ankles and hangnails and things like that. Uh, we're talking here about um, truly objective evil, truly gratuitous suffering. Um, without getting in, in too much detail, we're thinking um, child sex trafficking, um, Unit 731, if you've ever heard that, and, and the Nazi experiments in World War II, um, this kind of um, suffering that is beyond imagination, really. Um, if there is a good and loving God, which we believe that there is, then why do these things happen? Um, and it can't, it can't all be um, accrued to human free will. Um, that is a large part of it, but uh, there, has, there has to be some reason beyond uh, normal human free will for these horrible things to be allowed to happen um, if we are going to maintain, as we do, that God is um, both loving um, and, and powerful and all-knowing, for that matter. There, there's plenty of evidence of evil. We don't need to uh, give a few examples, but there's no reason to go into it in, in depth. Uh, you only need watch or, or read the news or um, study a little bit of history to see that there is and has been immense suffering and, and evil in the world. So why does this happen? Um, and the overarching reason that it happens is due to spiritual warfare. Um, and all of these words 
have been used by others in other denominations and other traditions um, to the point that they may have become trite and somewhat meaningless. So as we uh, are going through this today and as you're listening to, to this sermon, um, let these words, if possible, hit your ears as if for the very first time. Um, these uh, occurrences of gratuitous and immense evil and suffering that we see in the world are due to spiritual warfare. And what I mean by that is the forces of good and the forces of evil doing actual battle, the principalities and the powers doing actual battle um, unseen, the angels and the demons um, fighting it out. Um, good versus evil, um, an actual war that is taking place in the spiritual realms that has effect in the physical realm. Everything that goes on in the spiritual has effect in the physical. And of course, the, the leaders of these spiritual armies are the adversary or Satan. Right? Satan means the accuser or the adversary um, against God, the Father. Um, and there is this constant battle going on. And the suffering that we see in the physical world is a um, result, a consequence of that spiritual battle that is happening um, sight unseen. So Satan is at the, the center of this battle. If there were no adversary, if there were no Satan, no Satan, then there would be no evil in the world. Um, there would be no suffering in the world. So what are the origins? We're going to go through quite a few scripture passages uh, during this sermon today, um, and we'll speak about the origins of Satan, where does this being come from, and, and how has he ended up the way he's ended up, um, why does he do what he does, then we'll talk about his nature and character, um, the his so-called work um, in the world, and his defeat, uh, eventual defeat uh, by Jesus Christ. So first, the origins of Satan. If you have your Bibles with me, I'm using the English Standard Version. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm sorry. Um, the English Standard Version or the New American Standard, preferably. We'll start in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. Verses 12 through 15. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Now, these first two passages that I'm going to show you, um, they are specifically about uh, human characters um, that once lived. This first one uh, specifically about the king of Babylon, and the next one I'll read in Ezekiel, specifically about the prince of Tyre. Um, but as is often the case in scripture, um, a passage may be about two or more things at one time. So the uh, earliest apostolic traditions hold that these two passages 
while referring to specific human characters, do also refer to the spiritual being, Satan. All right, so the first one, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. All right, so here we're talking about the origins of the adversary, the origins of Satan. And specifically here, Satan thought that he could be like God, like the Most High. Pride, the original sin of pride. Um, and that is why Satan was cast out of heaven, because he envied uh, the power of God and thought that he could make himself like God. The next passage is Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 13 through 17. Ezekiel 28, 13 through 17. Again, specifically about a, a human personage, the king of Tyre, but according to the earliest apostolic traditions also about the spiritual being Satan. So starting in verse 13, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, emerald and carbuncle and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. And here, one of the, or two of the important things to take away from this passage is in verse 15. The writer says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. We must remember that Satan is a created being, not an eternal being. Um, that Satan was created and then was filled with envy towards the uncreated power of God. Um, and then because of that was cast out of heaven here in verse um 17, the last part of verse 17, I cast you to the ground. Satan was cast out of heaven to earth to become then the so-called God of this earth, small g, um, the ruler of this world. And that is 
where all sin and suffering comes from. The ruler of this world really is Satan in battle, in struggle with the holy eternal God. Let's look next at Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 18. Luke 10, 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Short passage. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This um, corresponds to what we just read in Ezekiel. Satan being cast out of heaven down to earth. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Um, look at Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1 verses 6 through 7. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. Now, whatever else this passage means, it's an interesting passage to say the least. Here we see uh, Satan who was cast from heaven to earth, wandering to and fro on the earth. So he became, as I said before, the ruler of this world, he and his minions. We'll see a little bit later that a third of the angels were also cast out with him who followed him. Um, so he and the third who are now the demons um, are running to and fro on this earth, causing as much chaos and havoc as they can. And that corresponds to a lot of the this unimaginable, horrible suffering that we see in the world. I would also encourage you, if you have time a bit later, to, to go ahead and read, if not the whole book of Job, at least chapters 1 and 2 of Job. Um, let's look at uh, the last passage here for the origins of Satan, Revelation chapter 12. Verses 3 through 4 and 7 through 17. Revelation 12, 3 through 4 and 7 through 17. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven. These are a third of the angels who were swept down with Satan. And cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. I read a bit past Verse 4, that's okay. Let's keep going um, to verse 17. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, 
who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood, but the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Um, there will be a, a future sermon, I'm sure, where I unpack this entire chapter. Um, but suffice it to say for the moment that this uh, is the story of a Satan's struggle with God and being cast out of heaven from the first advent, looking forward also to the second advent or, or second, uh, the second coming of Christ. Um, and it's fairly detailed about um, Satan's uh, desire to really ravish and, and to destroy everything he can here on earth, especially um, those who he feels may be a threat to him. Now, we'll see later, praise God, that um, in Christ we are protected from those assaults of the devil if we have faith. Um, but that doesn't mean that he is going to stop trying to afflict us and to make us suffer as well. So that is the origins of uh, Satan, the adversary, the accuser. Now, what is his nature? What is the character of Satan? Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 44. John 8, 44. This is Jesus speaking here. He says, you are of the father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So this is the first thing that we can know about the character of Satan. He is the father of lies. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie and is designed to make us believe falsehood. So we have to be on guard against that. Let's look at 1 John. First John chapter 3, verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. 
The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So he is a liar, um, and he is also a sinner, of, of course, uh, but also those who follow him are in the practice of sinning, right? Not one-off sinners, not sinning every once in a while, but in the constant practice, the habit of sinning. Let's look at Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 2 through 10. Matthew 4, 2 through 10. And after fasting, this is the story of Jesus' uh, fasting in the desert and the temptation of Jesus in the desert. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Satan is a liar. Satan is a sinner and someone who convinces to sin. And Satan is the tempter. He will tempt us to forsake the truth, uh, to test God, uh, to do anything really that would draw us away from God. Finally, in 2 Corinthians, on the nature and the character of Satan, 2 Corinthians 11, 14, chapter 11, verse 14. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So in his lies, in his tempting, in his trying to convince us to sin, he will always make it look good. He will make it look like light. So we have to be on guard against what the Bible calls the wiles of the devil, against his temptations, and always be attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to the word of God. What is Satan's intention? What does he see his work as? Let's look at a few passages here. Uh, first one is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He, was, he is always on the lookout for those who are weak in faith so that he can devour them. 
and draw them away from God and into his evil intentions. So we must be sober-minded, we must be watchful, we must be awake. Right, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Ephesians 2, 2, oh, starting in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So here we're seeing more detailed information about Satan as the ruler of this world, roaming around, prowling like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, and here, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is working the sons of disobedience, sons of disobedience are those who do not believe. Turn to First John. First John chapter five, verse 19. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We are from God, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And this is important. This is important for you to understand. Because this is one of the most powerful critiques against faith, this, this problem of gratuitous pain and suffering and, and true evil. Children that are abused day in and day out. People who are starved to death. Chemical warfare. Governments that have tested weapons on their population. The, these kinds of absolutely horrible, horrible things that go on in the world. And it's not, not just a long time ago, things that are going on right now as I speak. This, this kind of evil and suffering has been one of the most powerful critiques against faith. So it's important that we understand why it is happening and how to resist it and what the end of the story is going to be. All right, it is happening uh, and I don't want to take the blame away from people that are doing atrocious things, but why are these people doing atrocious things? Because they are the sons of disobedience. Because there is so much evil in Satan and his demons that are influencing and humans that are being influenced by this evil. That is why it happens. It's not that God is absent. It's not that God doesn't care. It's not that God isn't loving or that God isn't powerful. God will be, and we will see in a few minutes, God will be victorious over evil and over Satan. But in the meantime, it is a war and it is real. It is a real war. That is the only thing that makes sense. It is the only way to understand the kind of evil that goes on in this world. 
I just wanted to make that that clear. That is why we are talking about this today, because uh, first of all, it is an important critique that we must deal with because we are told to always be ready to give an answer. But it's not the end of the story either. All right, let's look at 2 Timothy, continuing uh, to look at passages that talk about the work of Satan, what he considers his business to be about. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. Well, let's start in uh, verse 24. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. The devil sets snares. The devil's intent is to capture and this is why I am called to do what I do and why you are called as members of the Apostolic Church of the Restoration to evangelize, to share the truth, to correct our opponents with gentleness so that God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and snatch them out of the devil's snare. And take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 2, 18. Starting in verse 17, I'm sorry. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, this is a, a verse that, that shows the power that Satan has. That, that power is real. Sometimes I think that we've been led to believe by churches that don't teach the whole truth, uh, that either Satan is a figment of the imagination, which is absolutely false, or that Satan doesn't have all that much power. No, Satan is powerful. Powerful enough here to hinder Paul from traveling to one of the churches that he founded. But Satan can intervene and, and hinder. He cannot possess us. He cannot own us. But we may have a real fight on our hands when it comes to Satan. All right, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is one of Satan's most common works, is to blind people from the truth. That is why I always pray for eyes to be opened, for ears to be opened, for people that listen to these sermons to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, the truth that will set free from the power of evil, from the power of Satan. The truth that will lead to the light of God. And finally, in Acts, Acts chapter 5, verse 3. 
Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Uh, this passage, the larger context, Ananias and uh, Sapphira sold property and said they would give it to the church. They held back some for themselves. And this was the work of Satan um, here. The, they lied to the church. Uh, they did not give everything that they said they were going to give. And this was a work of Satan. So in those passages, we see his work, his intention, what he really wants to accomplish here on earth. Um, and he does accomplish it sometimes, oftentimes. That battle is, is raging day in and day out between God and Satan, between the angels and the demons. But there is coming a time and this is what the resurrection of Christ is all about and his second coming. There is coming a time when God, all-powerful, will defeat Satan and his demons. And that is when there will be no more pain and no more death and no more suffering and no more evil. That time is coming. Let's take a look at that. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 Hebrews 2:14 Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood he himself likewise partook of the same things this is Jesus Jesus is incarnation Jesus became flesh God became flesh in Jesus that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So this is the reason, the overarching reason for Christ's death on the cross and his bodily physical resurrection was to defeat to destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil that battle began to be won when jesus was raised from the dead and that battle will be won when jesus returns to earth again and that imminent second coming uh, is is going to be soon we believe look at first john First John chapter three, verse eight. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, to one of the most powerful passages in all of the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, and I know we're looking at a lot of passages, but um, as I've said before, that, that's what Scripture is for. Scripture interprets Scripture, um, and I do not want to preach sermons that are just my opinion on things, and that is what as the whole reason the Church of the Apostolic Restoration uh, exists. It's, too much of that is, 
is done in, in other denominations and other churches, and it, it leads to a mixture of error with truth. No, we want to stick with the scriptures, and that's why we look at so many of them. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. Many of you will know this by heart. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not Satan, not his demons, not anything. And this is the promise that we have. Regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of what's happening to us, there is coming a time when all of those powers of evil will be defeated and destroyed. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Look at Romans uh, chapter 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I love that. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And we can see there's the the future progressive verb here, right? Will soon crush Satan. The battle is still going on. The battle hasn't been won completely yet, but it will be. Just a few more, and then we'll wrap it up. Let's look at James James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As those who are in Christ, we have the power to resist through Christ. It doesn't mean we're not going to be tempted. It doesn't mean that we're not going to um, be, or that Satan's not going to try to harm us. But we can resist that. We have the power in Christ to resist. All right, look at 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. If you but ask, he will establish you and he will guard you against the evil one. First John chapter four, verse four. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And the last passage, first John five, eighteen. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. So we've seen in asking the big question, why do bad things happen on earth? Why 
does evil and suffering exist? We've seen that it's because of the adversary. It's because of the accuser, because of Satan and a third of the angels that were cast out as demons that are roaming about on the earth, seeking whom they may devour. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That struggle is going on. We are a part of that struggle. And we will be until Christ comes back. So we must be vigilant. We must um, be constantly attuned to the apostolic teaching, to the word of God, to worshiping together, to praying together, to supporting the mission of this church together so that we may spread the word to more and more people about the truth of the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time you've given us at multiple messages uh, about why evil exists, um, who the author of evil is, but also who the author of life is. And we praise you and we thank you that you are greater than the one who is in the world, that you will be victorious, and that if we find ourselves in you and place our trust in you, nothing but that we can overcome anything throws at us. Give us the courage and the conviction to share this truth with others. In Christ, I pray. Amen.